You can get it done. What's more, you gotta get it done. There's a gleam, man. There's a gleam. Let's get the gleam, all right? Let's go. Want a piece of that championship? Put it in here. Hey, guys, where else would you rather be? Welcome into Hour 2 of Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. Join the conversation now on the Long and Foster Baker Team Hotline, 540-639-4900. Or text Rick and the show at 744-2990. And now your host, the Big Dog, Rick Watson. Celebrating the, uh, the music of Toby Keith, who unfortunately uh, passed away during the night, age of 62. Been battling um, stomach cancer for the last couple of years. And lost that battle last night. 744-2990 is how you can join us on the text line. Joining us now on the program, it's always one of my favorite parts of every week as we talk to the Virginia Tech Hall of Famer, your Virginia Broadcaster of the Year, Mr. Mike Burnham. Mike, how are you? Good morning. Good morning, Rick. Yeah, I was sorry to hear that about Toby Keith. You talk about an incredible artist now. That guy had some unbelievable songs. He did. One of which he just played, but man, what a pleasure listening to him over the years and just hated to hear that news, and I knew he had been struggling for a while. But golly, he had some incredible music and unbelievable hits, and what a guy! I mean, he, he had a big son of a gun too. Now <laughs> he was a pretty good football player, right? Oklahoma, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I think he was. Yeah. Well, yeah, and he never. What I liked about him too, uh, he never took himself too seriously, right? He did his music, had yeah. fun. He wasn't, you know, it was really cool. It was really cool. It's rare. It's rare. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that was a great one. Hate that, to see it. Yeah, and with Carl Weathers, you know, we lost, you know, Apollo Creed. I know. Just man, just mm. nuts. How stuff like that happens, and yeah, it just seems like sometimes they come in threes, and yeah, too bad. I just uh, hate looking at the paper some days because you never know or uh, who's going to be in it. Absolutely, absolutely. And of course, the older you get, you know, the worse that happens too. So, well, that's true. Yeah, absolutely, it does. Well, let's uh, let's get into uh, the trip to Miami. First of all, the worst news is the boat trip never happened, right? <laughs> oh man, what a bummer! You know, we, I get down there Friday, and the weather's gorgeous. It's like in the mid seventies and sunny, and hanging out by the pool till the team got there. And then we went and uh, went to shoot around. And beautiful night. You know, the next day it's beautiful, mid seventies, uh, up maybe upper seventies, and. You know, just uh, we went by and had a nice dinner at a place called Monty's, which is on the water. Ooh. And I had some great seafood, and I watched a little bit of the basketball. And then Sunday, and we knew, I mean, we had heard it was a 65% chance of rain or something. Well, sure enough, it, the rain came through. It was a fast front, but 
came from West Coast to East Coast, and it was pouring there for a while. And so we knew it was kind of iffy in anyway. Before Bill could even, like, call him, they called him or texted him and said, nah, boat's off today. You can't, can't take it out. Too rough. Too rough a seas for the skipper. So, <laughs> so we had to cancel the boat trip, unfortunately. So that weekend ended up like two for two. You know, the game was terrible. He'll lose the game at the end, and then he can't go on a boat ride either. So, yeah, kind of a bummer. Yeah, and as you were saying, I guess the game kind of resembled what that boat ride likely would have looked like, right? It was topsy-turvy. There were a lot of waves in your in the good way, you know. It was kind of a calm seas, and then it got a little too out of control there in the second half. 56 points for Miami in the second Oh, half. my gosh. You cannot. I mean, the, the, they played as good as they could play in the first half. I mean, you, you look at that game last night against UVA, what Miami had 17 points at the half. Something like that. Well, they had 26 points at the half against the Hokies. So they played really well in the first half, shot the ball well, you know, got off to a great start, uh, you know, defended well, you know, and all those sorts of things that they did. They were up nine at the half, you know, at the under 16 timeout, they were up 10. Under the 12 timeout, they were up 10. At the eight minute timeout, they were up six. And, you know, even at the the four minute, right around that area is when it kind of went to heck in a handbasket, right? O'Meara made a couple free throws, and it was a five-point lead then. And he makes two free throws. And I think then uh, he stole the inbound pass and dunked. And then Robbie Barron tries to throw the ball in, and he gets intercepted and dunked. So right there you got a six-point turnaround, and all of a sudden you're losing. Like, how in the world does that happen? And that fast. And so, yeah, it was disappointing for sure because it was a chance for a quad one win. And, um couldn't pull it off. Miami sweeps a series and didn't lead uh, for a ton of minutes in that game. But it was uh, <laughs> one of those things you're going to look back and think, you know, that's one of those ones that maybe kept you out of the NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. depending on how the, you know, the rest of these games go. A lot of basketball left, but that was a crucial one. Yeah, it really was. And I, those are the, I mean, any loss is frustrating. And I know Mike Young, but boy, when you control the game like that and then have it slip away, Mike, that those are the ones that really, it's a good thing they have the bye week, right? It was probably a good time now to have that week to get ready for the next game. Yeah, and Coach was going to go out and do some recruiting and uh, get back on the road and whatnot. But, you know, hopefully they can solve some of these issues. I mean, obviously you cannot have your quarterback or your point guard turning the ball over no. seven times. I mean, that's just – I mean, you can't do it. Whatever the excuse is or the reason is, you can't – I mean, Hokies only had 11 turnovers total, and seven of them are by your point guard. I mean, you can't – you just can't do it. And so there are killers every time, and uh, certainly was a big factor in this game. And, uh, you know, the Hokies don't have a lot of depth now. You know, Makai Long has been out. I think he missed his fourth straight game with that – soreness in his knee and uh that doesn't help matters because the Hokies got out rebounded you know again by about eight or nine and so yeah it's just frustrating and I know coach Young you know has always prided himself his teams on the fact that they didn't turn them all over and uh you know 11's a number you can live with but not when your point guard has seven and some of those are live ball turnovers and you know easy just fall asleep plays underneath the basket and those type things those are the ones that kill you. Get the crowd back into it, and then you know, then all of a sudden you're in a battle. Is there any 
Anybody you think Mike Young would trust to take some of those minutes off of Sean at the point and let him kind of just float around? Is there anybody that can handle the ball, or is he basically the only guy that he trusts, even with the turnovers? No, I mean, I think he trusts the other guys. I mean, we've seen MJ Collins be the point guard some, and Hunter has been uh, the point guard some. You know, Rex Siner hadn't really played much since that NC State game where he had four turnovers in the span of about two minutes. Um, but, you know, that's uh, something that he's going to have to try to figure out. Just put him in there and let him go. I mean, you can't just continue to have lapses like that. And, you know, just they're just killers. And so I think uh, we'll see, see what he does for the Notre Dame game on Saturday where – you know, you're going up there and playing them and uh, see what happens. Maybe you get some other guys some other minutes. You know, maybe Mikhail Long can help, you know, get back in the lineup and help you a little bit too. So, yeah, we'll see what he does, what kind of adjustments they made during the course of this week. Mike Burnup joining us on the program, the Virginia Tech Hall of Famer. And, yeah, you're right. It's just – it's such a long season. I think people forget. They kind of bring a – I think you said it here, Mike. They kind of bring a college football mentality to the basketball season. You can't do that. Because it is so many games and there is so many practices. I mean, so many minutes on the court. So um, this time now to get away from it a little bit, you know, much like going down at Radford right now, might be a good time to have that off week and see how you finish up. But you're right, the opportunities now are few and far between to try to get some kind of impressive resume built back up for the NCAA. Well, that's it. And, uh, you know, the games are sliding by pretty fast. I mean, obviously, you know, Florida State and North Carolina is not going to be easy. You know, you got Virginia who's playing really well right now, and you still got to play um, Wake Forest again. And so, in those road games at Pitt and Syracuse, are not going to be easy. So, yeah, there's no gimmies on the schedule for sure. And um, that's why every one of these coming up from here on out are going to be like of the utmost importance. And they better play with a sense of urgency and have that mindset that uh, you can't play just 30 minutes, you got to play 40. And hopefully, they'll get that done. Is is Hunter Contour 100% healthy? Does he look – I don't know. He doesn't look like – I mean, I'm just watching and watching him. He doesn't look like the same aggressive type of offensive player than he was. Is he okay coming back from the injury? Okay, Has he just settled back Yeah, in? as far as I know, he's been fine. Okay. Yeah, he, uh, he's put so much into the defensive end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, trying to guard their best player that sometimes, you know, he comes off screens and gets banged up a little bit. It seems sure. like he always gets chipped a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, I think he's fine in that regard. Well, in the league, Mike, is, you know, continues nationally. People are trying to break it down, saying there's not going to be that many NCAA invites. And it's a, it's such a competitive league. Are we in a situation where maybe teams are knocking themselves out of this thing? I mean, Clemson has fallen off the face of the earth. Carolina and Duke have separated. Virginia's back. But after that, it's, it's tough, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, Florida State's still hanging in there. You know, their record's not bad. And NC State's got a lot of talent. They could put it together and you know, I think so could Wake. It's just a matter of, you know, everybody goes through these little lulls and who's going to play, you know, better at the end. And right now it seems like it's obviously Virginia who's playing at a very high level. And you don't want to go up there and play, man. they got 23 in a row now. They've yeah, won yeah. at JPJ. And obviously the Duke-Carolina game was a high-level basketball game that, uh, you know, the home team, home court's probably worth a few points and they'll have to return that game later in the year. Uh, so... Yeah, I mean, it's uh, somebody will come through at the end and uh, separate themselves. And, you know, right now UVA is doing a good job of that. 
Well, we'll see how these final few weeks, um, how they go about it and uh, how they recover from it. And like you said, I mean, they got Notre Dame coming up, very winnable game. They've got some games on there that they can take care of, and maybe they can build some momentum. Because you know, Mike, you've done this for so long. I mean, it takes so maybe one win can spring you into some positive things in a winning streak. Well, that's it, yeah. And you get that mindset that, hey, we're playing well. Just like listen to some of the UVA players and uh, Coach Bennett talk about it. You know, you, you kind of – get over that hump there where things weren't going so well, and now you're playing with a lot of confidence and you just feel like you can't be beat. Your defensive intensity is picked up and everybody's contributed on the offensive end. And, uh, yeah, it's just it's just a matter of time. I mean, obviously the Hokies know they can do it. they got a veteran team. Those guys have played a lot of minutes, and uh, they know exactly uh, what they can do, and, they, and they've shown spurts of hey, they can be a heck of a team sometimes, but you can't go through these lulls. And just have these. I never felt real great about that. I kept saying on the air Saturday, you, know, you don't want to let Miami sneak back into this thing by, you know, live ball turnovers or get the crowd involved, get a breakaway dunk. You know, somebody comes down there and hits a transition three. And, you know, you just never felt great about it. And sure enough, you know, Miami took them a while, but they got it going. And you put up that many points in the second half, 56, that's, that's incredible. What's the the crowd atmosphere, Mike? I'm just curious about for basketballs. But we know we know the lack of football, uh, the fact they have to travel so far to play in that stadium. What was it like down there, atmosphere wise? Uh, well, to start the game it was a noon game, and there weren't probably it probably wasn't uh, a fourth full. Wow! And it might have got to maybe a half full, but I'd be surprised if it was even that. Now, they announced it at over 7,000. There was no way right, right. there were that many people there. I mean, you think about being in Miami on a beautiful day on a Saturday at noon. <laughs> uh, I think people probably have some stuff that they can do differently. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great point. I mean, uh, it's not just the lack of a dedicated fan base. There are a lot of distractions, huh, during warm weather down there. <laughs> oh, my gosh, yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, Restaurants are great. You know, there's always stuff to do. Traffic is bad down there. I will say that now. That traffic is rough trying to navigate through that. But, but great, great cities, and um, you can see why it's uh, a lot of players would love to go down there and live in that kind of a atmosphere and climate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's good you have a little bit of time here, too, now, before you have to travel to uh, South Bend as um, things are still quiet football-wise. Guys just working out, right? Um, no news is good news. Everything quiet on the Western Front, as they say. Yeah, it's been okay. They started their uh, big-time workouts now in February, and it's a little more intense. And then they find out, you know, who maybe the leaders are and who uh, guys that uh, maybe don't have it or not willing to give it up every day. So, yeah, it gets a little more intense now, and they're working at it. And um, I was walking in one day here, gosh, last week, I guess, and I saw Aaron Drones come out with Allie Jennings and about two or three other receivers, and they just finished up throwing little throwing practice themselves amongst them. And uh, so that's encouraging to see. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, and uh, the recruiting is just about over, you know, the signing day, what the second signing day, I guess, is tomorrow. Uh, not that much will change in that regard. So, yeah, I think they're just grinding away and you know, trying to, again, just keep visiting high schools, trying to find players wherever they can find them. You know, and then they can just uh, work on that roster management through spring and hopefully that, you know, after spring when the portal opens again, you don't have a lot of uh, issues. 
Well, Mike, I wanted to get your reaction to uh, Jeff Halfley leaving BC, and he just came out and said what a lot of us have already said, right? This is a younger coach now who doesn't like the direction of what that position means, and it just it amazes me even more that a guy like Brent Price seems to embrace everything that's going on in college football. Now, he had a nice gig to fall back on going back to the NFL, but still – um, not a good sign, right, for college football when a, a younger coach like this, who seemed to be getting BC finally maybe in that positive direction after seven wins and a bowl win. Yeah, I mean, that was. Uh, but, you know, when the NFL calls, you got a chance to do that with a historic organization like he's going to. I mean, that's to me, was probably not a tough decision because I think the pressure was on for him to win this year. You know, he's been there for a while, and they've had some up-and-down years, and it's it's probably tough for B.C. You know, you're you're on the eighth page of the sports page, and, you know, the the facilities and everything. they got a beautiful indoor facility, but, you know, it's hard to recruit up there. It's hard to get students to come in there. It's expensive. Uh, I'm just thinking the big picture uh, wasn't a shock to me uh, with the pressure that's on him to – Succeed, and you know you, these these NFL jobs like that opportunity there may only come around once in a lifetime, and so you know I wasn't really shocked about that. And it'll be interesting to see who they hire. I don't guess they've hired anybody yet. Have no, they? no, they not have to not. My knowledge, no. Yeah, and you know that's tough too when you're getting close to the point where you're almost playing spring practice. But yeah, it's a hot mess out there. It still is, but that that thing didn't shock me uh, too bad. You talk about them being on the last page of the sports page and the fans. I mean, you ever just – and you've done it so long and you know how great Tech fan is. You ever just sit back and just look at some of these other places and go, wow, I can't imagine ever having to deal with not having the kind of fans we have at Virginia Tech. Oh, no, it's amazing. It's like almost everywhere you go. I mean, the fan support. Here we're sitting there one and three and we're selling out these games and the crowd's great. Yeah, it's been amazing. Uh, the fan support and, uh, from the Hokie Nation, it's been that way for a long time. And, you know, Brent Price trying to change the culture and has done a great job in that regard. And Yeah, it's it's tough. You go to B.C., man, and some of that place is only seats 44,000. A lot of times it's not even half full. Yeah. You know, and it's cold up there. And it's, it's just a tough place to recruit. And it's expensive to keep kids in school. And, you know, I don't know what their NIL situation is. I don't know what the portal situation is up there, but mm-hmm. uh, you know it's it's uh, it's a little bit more difficult to say the least. Well, it's because a tech fan. I, that's why I don't worry too much about tech's future, or however this thing's going to look in realignment, or however it's going to settle. Because I think tech fans going to make sure that this program and this school is going to be rewarded. They're just it's too good of a fan base. There's too much money and revenue created by this fan base to ignore. That's how good they are, in my opinion. So yeah, that's it. And football's a bell cow. Absolutely. And they got that going. And now that uh, they seem like they're right on the right track and things are looking up, it's only should get better from here. And uh, that's certainly positive. And I think everybody's so excited about spring game and what's going to happen next year for the season. Uh, it's going to be fun, fun to watch. Well, Mike, listen, we appreciate you. I'm glad you get a little uh, downtime, man. You've earned it, to say the least. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was fun. It was nice to have those first couple days, but – yeah, just a bummer with the, the the way the game ended up and the boat ride getting canceled. And I was going to see what uh, Bill was full of crap or not, if he was really Gilligan or a skipper. <laughs> Blue shirt or <laughs> the red shirt? The pressure was on him. Yeah, the pressure was on him. He kept saying during the week, you know, there's 65, there's 75, it's 85% chance of rain. 
may not be able to go. And it's like, are you trying to like wiggle your way out? Uh huh. Uh -huh. That's exactly what it was. I'll have to ask you about that tomorrow. <laughs> but the good news is, is that the radio crew is safe. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. It, they didn't go down on a three-hour tour, and, <laughs> and, and you never heard from them again. <laughs> Where did they go? They didn't show up at the game. Right, right. Uh, all right. Well, listen, man, uh, great, stay, uh, great stuff. Stay safe and have a safe trip up to South Bend. All right. Sounds good, Rick. You take care. All right. There you go. That's the Virginia Tech Hall of Famer and your Virginia Sports Broadcaster of the Year, Mike Burnham. Great stuff from him. Ah, I wanted to hear that boat story. Doesn't sound like Mike's too upset, though, that it didn't happen, given the potential captainship of Bill Rolfe. All right, we'll be back. Stay with us. Don't go away. Bottom of the hour is here. Thanks to Mike Burnup. Jermaine Farrell joins us next here on this Tuesday. Come on back with us. Don't go away. Back to the program. Great stuff from uh, Mike Burnup, and it's always great stuff when we're joined by our next guest. He's always as good as he once was. His name is Jermaine Farrell. Jermaine, how are you? Good morning. How, how do I? <laughs> Just saying. It's true. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> oh man, Rick Watson, you get the two cold giving. Look at you, yawn weary traveler coming back from Charlottesville, oh, yeah. where the Virginia Cavaliers held the Miami Hurricanes to 38 points. This after oh. Miami scored 56 points in the second half against Tech on Saturday. My goodness, what did you notice about this UVA team? They are clicking on all cylinders, Jermaine. Well, you know, it, well, we all talk about, I think, how they weren't the same team like we've seen in the past, Virginia Cavaliers teams. And then over time, they progress, and quietly, they're now in second place. It's like, no one's talking about them. And I, I was talking to some of the people down there at the game, and it was like, that's legit. That's vintage Virginia Cavaliers men's basketball. Thirty-eight points. They had. They held uh, the set. It was twenty-nine seventeen at the halftime, and then again, Virginia just they jumped up as many as twenty-six in the second half, and they got it going. And you know, Reese Beekman scored as a you know thousandth uh, career point, and Isaac McNeely was rocking and rolling, and you know Blake uh, Buchanan, and you know. Jake Groves and all these players are trying to 
get the, the formula and the chemistry going. But one thing, I'll tell you a funny story. So at the end of the game, you know, we go into the uh, media room, and I'm hearing this guy say, hey, anybody got any questions? Because normally it'd be Mike Chess and all that. I thought so. I was kidding. I turn around, there's Coach Larry Nega, and he was warm because <laughs> he only was in that press room for 30 seconds. Anyone, anyone have any questions? I didn't have the camera set up or anything like that because I had a question, but anyone any questions? And he just stormed out. I mean, he was that angry and frustrated. And yeah, yeah. The thing is, it's disappointing when you see that because, you know, nothing but respect for Coach Larry Nega. But he had a moment. He was just frustrated. I mean, sure. and Virginia defense can do that thing. But I think if they were, if the roles were reversed and it was 60 to 38, they Coach Larry Nega would have been in there for 30 minutes, maybe. But, you know, he stormed out. And that was kind of disappointing, and and you know, and then you know, on the flip side, I mean, like we remember when Virginia, the number one seed, they lost to um, UMBC, and the class that Coach Bennett and he showed his players, like uh, you know, Kyle Guy and uh, and those guys. I mean, they handled that well. I mean, and that's like the biggest biggest upset in college basketball, and. Coach Bennett was nothing but class. And he's that way, win or lose. I mean, he's going to call it like he is, but kind of disappointing for Coach Larry Nagy, considering the fact his connection to the University of Virginia and him being a former assistant coach. And what was neat last night was Wally Walker and um, Mrs. Holland, you know, the widow of Terry Holland, they were on courtside during the game. So they see them, you know, Wally Walker, of course, the MVP when UVA won their first ACC. ACC tournament, 76, but circling back to modern-day UVA, I mean, they're quietly speaking up second place in the ACC. It was all defense, great atmosphere. I mean, you can't beat the atmosphere in Charlottesville. I mean, it was loud and proud, and they were fired up. It was a whiteout game. Everybody wore white. And I think this Virginia team starting to get the momentum. And, and right now, if you look at it, I mean, it's, and the thing is, if you look at Virginia over the last decade, they have always been in the mix for the ACC regular season title. And so it's kind of not a surprise they're there. And, you know, it's a Bennett's Tony, Tony Bennett team forming in the shape right around this point right now. I mean, I know they got them on the outside of bracketology, but right now I, I think they would be in right now when they played. I mean, Rick, seven straight wins, 23 straight home wins, mm-hmm. which is the, the active streak leading the nation. I mean, they are really getting it going. So, but they you got to maintain it. You got to keep it going. And you know, they got some games coming up. Like they go down to Florida State, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But wow, I mean, thirty-eight points. I mean, it, and that's the lowest Miami point total since nineteen eighty-five. I mean, the last time they were that low, and back in eighty-five, we didn't have a shot clock. Yeah, there's a three-point line so to hold a team to 38 points, that's less than a point a minute, Rick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no wonder Larinaga was a little miffed. I don't blame him. Uh, yeah. Not going so well on the other end of the spectrum in the Commonwealth. Virginia Tech who just lost to that Miami team. They have their off week. A damaging loss, Jermaine. I was calling that as maybe a final knockout game, you know, for Miami or Virginia Tech. Maybe Miami's came last night, but uh, – Tech's got a lot of work to do if they want to try to rise up and be considered, in my opinion, for an NCAA tournament berth. Yeah, and I think, you know, the Hall of Famer and Virginia Sportscaster of the Year, Mike Burnup, who leads off, which is a great thing, that 
you know, bat behind him at seven thirty on on Tuesday. <laughs> but he said it round the head. I mean, he cannot turn over the ball, and it's just a very it's very uncharacteristic of Mike Young teams. I mean, we don't usually see them turn over the ball as much, especially when your point guard turns it over. And, you know, that's something they really got to store up. Right now, I mean, Virginia Tech's margin of error is so slim because it's almost going to come to a point where they're going to have to win, you know, the ACC tournament in D.C. But right now, I mean, and they have the pieces. I mean, you've got players that can play. It's just you, you can't blow 12-point leads. You have to put the gas on you know, the pedal of the metal. And they played great defense against Miami for having Miami turn it on. And this could be the type of game you look back at. It. And Virginia Tech has had some of these games this year where it's like we had a chance and we could have done this and that. But you, you can't turn over the ball. I mean, your point guard has the most – with. One stat you don't want to be as a point guard, you don't want to lead your team in turnovers. And, and Sean Badula has done that. And I mean, I think he can curb it and change it and all that. But until then, and I, I think this bye week, you know, not having a week off, not a week off, but basically you have a time to, you know, recover and, and get everything going. But this was just a tough one right there. And, and you know, now they have a, you know, a Saturday night game, and, and you know, they'll have to get back after it. So we'll see how it goes. He is the sports director at WFXR. His name is Jermaine Farrell, breaking down the Commonwealth Hoopsters this past weekend. And uh, last night, as UVA, uh, Miami was averaging over 80 points a game, get held to 38 as we uh, mm-hmm. head down now to the very important times here in February. And you can feel it across the ACC. And you mentioned, you know, bracketology. I just get so sick of that whole thing. I mean, there's no way UVA is not an NCAA <laughs> team right now. But the ACC, I mean, I don't know, Jermaine. Are you getting a vibe? I mean, uh, three teams, four teams. I mean, it, it just seems like even though the league, and you and I have talked about it, it's fun to watch because the games are competitive. Maybe they're just kind of knocking themselves off every week from that kind of mindset, at least in terms of the committee. You know, and, and remember back in the day, it wasn't that big of a deal, you know, because, you know, it's such a the, – the league was held in high regard. And now, you know, Rick, we don't see that. I mean, right now, if you had to say who's locked in to the tournament, it would be Duke and North Carolina. But I, I think Virginia is playing their way into it right now. I mean, you know, you've you got to do that. I mean, now is the time when we look at February – you pretty much got a month to show everybody that you're worthy of being in the tournament and you're worthy of uh, uh, making a run. And, you know, what Virginia's done, too, is they won on the road. I mean, they, they struggled losing road games. Now, all of a sudden, I mean, they're, they're getting back after it and, and playing well and, and making things happen. So that's the thing that the, the biggest respect I have for what they've done. I mean, they've won on the road. And, and what do they – the NCAA tournament, what they say, we need to see, can you win on the road? And guess what? They are winning on the road. And that's really the biggest key uh, to this, winning on the road. And if you can do that and win the, win the games you're supposed to win, Rick, I mean, that's another thing, too, win the games you're supposed to win. And right now they're doing that. So we'll see how that goes. And, and i tell you one thing, I mean, what's been impressive, you know, when we look at Virginia Tech women's basketball, and, you know, I mean, you got, you know, Liz Kitley being, you know, you know, player of the week again and Georgia Amore. That might be the, the best one-two combo in the country. I mean, when you look at 
know, Liz Kent leading her double-doubles. I mean, and Georgia Aiden with her assists. I mean, just strong women's basketball. And, you know, I just looked at bracketology for the women just now. ESPN North 11 right now. They got them as a four seed. And if it played all the way out, they would be in that Albany one region. And, you know, they would end up playing, uh, like, for instance, in their bracket, they would have Utah in their bracket, and they have a, a good ball club there. But then if they go to the Sweet 16, they would probably be paired up with South Carolina right now. So, you know, right now, you know, they got a big one coming up on Thursday against NC State. NC State won their game, but that's going to be a big one right there. So, I mean, right now you, you got Louisville and NC State and Virginia Tech all bowing for the ACC uh, supremacy right now. But it's going to be a big one on Thursday. I mean, I tell you, Virginia Tech, their women's program, I mean, last Thursday, you know, they played, uh, you know, they played Virginia Tech. Castle was rocking. Nearly 9,000 fans there sold out. Katie Brook has, has really built this program into something that's being respected. Well, they're going to have to play a lot better than they did Sunday. I mean, they shot 33%, turned it over 17 times, and they still found a way, which was very impressive. But they're going to have to get more out of Kitley and Amor than they got Sunday against NC State. They're ready for that rematch, boy, especially the way they lost the first one. That's going to be fun. That's going to be a fun game on Thursday. Well, and if people said, hey, look, in these next two games, you're going to play at North Carolina, at North Carolina State, you know, best case scenario, you want to win them both. But, I mean, if you the thing is, if you could split Somehow win, and they found a way to win. It wasn't pretty, but no. you know what? You don't have to apologize for winning. Nope. Okay, I, I'll take an ugly win over a pretty loss any day. Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. Give it to me. <laughs> absolutely. All right, I got to get your Super Bowl take before we head out here. Uh, the Chiefs and the Niners. Who you got? Well, I tell you what, I, I got the, again, you know, I, I got Mr. Smith, so I don't want to steal his thunder because he's Mr. NFL, so. Since you twisted my arm and you wanted me to give you a prediction. Yeah, got to get your take. I, I got I to go with Kansas Chiefs. I mean, think about this. They, they have a chance to do something a lot of things haven't done. Win three in four years, you know, and they've been this their fourth Super Bowl in, in five years. So, I mean, until you can knock off the champs, you got to go with them and they're playing well. But I think it's going to be a good Super Bowl. I mean, I think San Francisco, I mean, they haven't won one since 94. And they've won their lost their last two Super Bowls, so they're trying to make it to six Super Bowls, which they would join, you know, New England and, and uh, Pittsburgh with six Super Bowl wins. So, big time stuff, but yeah, I got to go. Hail to the Chiefs! Yeah, and Patrick, my homies, my homies. Oh, and it's what the NFL wants too. So, yeah, I'm probably with you in that regard. So, yes, <laughs> I mean, let's hey, just... before before you before you kick me out, I like to say. <laughs> I'd like to give a happy birthday to my mother, Catherine Farrell. All right. Happy birthday, Mama happy Farrell. Happy birthday to her. And also, a happy birthday to our you know, Yolanda and I's grandson, uh, Eli. So they both were born on the same day. Oh, that's very cool. Years. Very cool. But, yeah, little, little Eli turns five today. So happy birthday to my grandson, our grandson. Eli. All right. Well, happy birthday to everybody. You're going to have a fun birthday day today. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And I know I know you were mentioning this real quick about, uh, you know, Carl Weathers. How about, you know, yeah. that, Toby yeah. Keith today? Toby you know, Keith, but, Carl but, Weathers. Yeah, Carl Weathers, I mean, you, you talk, I mean, he played football and he looked the part. I no. mean, he had so many great roles. And, Tough, but, yeah, I mean, obviously the Apollo Creed. And what everybody's posted, I remember the montage from Rocky Three. Yes, I watched that again. Yes, it, absolutely. That, that kind of stands out. That, that the, the 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 training montage in Rocky Three when 
And, uh, <laughs> and he, when, when Rocky finally beat, I'll tell you right he now. He let him win. He let him win he on that ring. Absolutely. No that, I like Sylvester Stallone, but come on now. No, Carl no. not going to let. He threw that Sylvester race. Beat. Yep. Yeah. Yep. He threw that race. <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's good stuff. Yeah, so, but yeah, uh, that, you know, you know, what a what awesome uh, athlete! I kind of remember him also in the heat of the night. He, the last year the, in the heat of the night, he was the last couple of years he did the heat in the heat of the night. When yes, he was, uh, yes, there, so. yeah, great actor, man, just a great actor, yeah. and that role meant so much happy, to me. Happy Gilmore, Happy Gilmore. Um, yeah, I mean, and Predator, uh, Action Jackson, still one of my favorite movies from that era, yeah. man. I mean, I loved Action he Jackson. A, he did an episode of Good Times. That's right, he did, didn't he? Long time ago. Yeah, he, That's right. Like yeah, his his his, uh, his his JJ was painting his wife. Yes, as a birthday yes. present. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and at first she wanted to be painting in a nude, but then Florida Evans said, "Hold up, hold up, you got to go with the bathing suit." Oh. John Amos, <laughs> yeah. by the way, John Amos, one of the greatest TV dads ever. Right. Yeah, he is. Man, he is. man, uh, you, you can't beat John Amos, right? No, there. I mean, I, and no. To be honest, <laughs> the show went downhill when they killed him off after season oh, three. Oh, it, it was over. Show. It was over. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Gotta, I mean, it lasted for six seasons, but, I mean, you can't. You can't. I mean, John Amos, I mean, he's the, yeah. I mean, you talk about TV dads. He's on that Mount Rushmore, you know. Hey, yeah, you, you, there's no question. I mean, if James Evans is, is telling you you better believe, uh, behave a certain way, you better behave a certain way, or you're going to feel it. <laughs> and, and, he, and he played pro football, too. He yeah. played the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. All right. That's good he's stuff. He's looking good. Just like you, Rick, you're looking good, too, by the way. Yeah, I'm Just, feeling you know, better. I'm losing weight. I'm feeling better. You look like Billy Chris. You look mob. Hey, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. All right, my friend. Great stuff, as always. Real quick, who do you have in the Super Bowl? Well, you know, I I tend to believe that this thing is not necessarily on the up and up, which is a totally different uh, category of conversation. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that I think the NFL is going to benefit more if Taylor Swift's down on the field celebrating, and uh, I think the Chiefs will win because of that. Yes, yes, I do. You're saying the fix is in. I'm just saying. Like, I'm just saying. Like, they, the, like the W, like the WWE. Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> all I know is they released the figure that they're making 331 million dollars off of her right now. I can't imagine what it's going to be if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. So follow the dollar signs. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Oh, they'll, or they'll have her go, do a, going to Disneyland. Yeah, absolutely. Travis absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, you better believe it. You better believe it. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right, man. Have a great week. We look forward to talking with you next week. You too, buddy. It's always a pleasure, Rick. Thank you so much for, for giving me an opportunity to be on your show. I don't take it lightly. It's such a blessing. I sincerely mean that. No, so I you're mean, awesome uh, pleasure, buddy. hey, listen, it's the same way having you on, man. And listen, uh, my sincerest uh, happy birthday to your mom. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's right. Good stuff. I made two birthdays. No waiting. That's right. <laughs> All right, man. Enjoy the day, and we'll talk next week. Yes, sir. Thank you so much, buddy. There you go, Jermaine Fair. That's great, man, to hear about his mom having a birthday. That's awesome. Just awesome. All right, we're going to take a break, come back, wrap up Hour 2. Remind you what's ahead in the Power Hour. Stay with us. Oh! 
this on the album, you know, Eruption kind of is the prelude to You Really Got Me. Van Halen did a really nice job with their remakes, didn't they? This song from the Kinks, Dancing in the Streets, Pretty Woman. I mean, they were one of the unique bands that didn't have any kind of pretense about sharing the music that influenced them and creating their own vibe toward it. They did a really good job. That's one of the many that they did a good job with. All right, coming up, it's the Power Hour coming up here on the program, and it'll be our Radford University Hall of Famer, David Smith. He'll join us. We'll get his take on the Super Bowl. We'll talk about the coaching cycle that's now complete. A head coaching cycle that saw Bill Belichick not get a job. More coming up here as we roll along on this Tuesday. Stay with us.